All right. So this episode of the podcast, I can't wait for it, is with none other than Mr. Paul Gott, leader and ringmaster of legendary Canadian punk band The Ripcords. They've been on tour since the late 80s, and I can't wait to learn a whole lot more. I've had the privilege of doing a couple of shows with them, but it's been many years ago, so we're going to get caught up today. All right. This episode is also brought to you by none other than In Print, the company that prints all the t-shirts, uh, hoodies, baseball caps, uh, baseball t-shirts, toques, and patches, and all kinds of good stuff, all kinds of shirts, double-sided, multiple colors with uh, selections of inks and different uh, materials to print on. Super easy to work with and an absolute pleasure, actually. Check them out, inprint.com. If you're not sure about something on the website, just call them up. Call them up and say, you know, ask them for their opinion or their help. They'll be glad to give you the time that you need to uh, know what to do and to make the best decisions for your uh, business. So uh, call them up at inprint.com. All right, let's get it on. Rolling. Paul, you have no idea how excited I am to have you here. Oh, well, thanks. I've heard of you probably since the first week I moved to Montreal. <laughs> you are the most legendary punk that I actually know. That I can say I know. I've met others, but that I know, that I've shook hands with in the past, that I've done a show with, that I've hung out with. Oh, cool. Paul, I'm oh. so happy to have you here. Really, when I say a legend, the reason I say a legend is because in my mind, anybody that starts playing music in the 80s and now we're <laughs> 2019 and you just got back from doing a show last night, yep. you are a legend, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still fun. Well, it has yep. to be. Yep. I mean, you know, you're not going to do it that long <laughs> if it isn't. <laughs> yeah, we ain't making money, so you got to have fun. <laughs> right. My first question for you, and I'm not too much of a question answer kind of guy, but when That's I say okay, you, I, I work better with answers uh, <laughs> questions, so there right? you go. But I mean, you started in the '80s, am I correct? Did you um, think that? 1980, yeah. 1980, yeah. like this, almost 70s. Yeah, it was like uh, it's like post 70s, I'd say. Uh, so right. I actually started writing songs in the 70s, but then we started the band in the 80s. Okay, uh, how old were you about uh, at that point? Uh, well, it's funny because when we started the band, I was 18, uh-huh. and I thought I was too old to start a band. <laughs> so, you know, 40 years later, here we are. Yeah, man, that's wild. Like 40 years later. Cheers yep. to that, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know you rock, I was going to say as hard, but probably harder now <laughs> than back then. Well, I think maybe it's a little easier because we kind of like... Uh, not worried about tripping over things as much as I was mm-hmm. when I started out. You know? So <laughs> now it's like, oh yeah, now I just like actually sing the songs and play the guitar. Were the Ripcords your first band ever? Yep, it was eh? Yeah. Well, we started. Uh, I mean, I mean, but it was the really different when we started. We were just basically played basements for like five years, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and we started out. I think we what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves Parental Guidance, which was too boring, and then we were. <laughs> Johnny Drughead and the Running Dogs of Imperialism, which was too long, and then they're kind of cool, actually. Yeah, I kind of like that <laughs> yeah, one, man. but uh, um, but then there was a reggae artist called Johnny Drughead too, so we couldn't mm-hmm. do that. And then uh, the rip chords just seemed to fit. Yeah. And we started with like I think six people. We had a lead guitarist, we had a different singer, we had a keyboardist, and then you know it's one of those band things nobody ever came to practice. It was <laughs> the end of the seventies, start of the eighties. I'm not yeah. really surprised, you know. <laughs> I mean, back then, everything was, everything had to have keyboards. It's like, oh, your band's yeah. great. Now, once we get the keys on it, right? Yeah. 
you guys will really make it once you get the guitar. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, exactly. That's wild, though. Was that in Montreal? Yep. Uh, it's actually uh, the only reason we really started a, a band was because, I mean, I've been, I've been writing songs and literally I was like writing them whenever I sort of felt something. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be in the metro uh, and like we get these transfers that were like about this long and paper. Right, and I'd right. be writing lyrics on these like as I was going along. <laughs> Do you and still have any of those? No. I, Too I, actually, bad. <laughs> what I do have is I have like uh, I I have these Star Wars notebooks that yeah. would probably be worth a ton if I hadn't actually written in them now. But anyway, <laughs> they're Star Wars notebooks where I actually wrote all the lyrics. So I got so I've got literally all the lyrics to all my songs. You're probably in one of the, the only person and people that I could say actually took a Star Wars product and made it like cooler yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that yeah. to everybody you know <laughs> yeah it's true I, I'll, I'll go with that i'll yeah. go with cooler so songwriting i'm somebody myself who has always been writing songs since a young age my biggest question to ask mm. any songwriter right yeah. lyrics first or music first um i'd say mostly music first okay. but it it is kind of one of those inspirational things mm-hmm. like um uh i went through a time when i was uh kind of homeless so at that point in time i was literally writing songs in my head yeah um and i had all the lyrics and all the music in my head and i wouldn't even know the chords um and then i'd uh, then i get somewhere and i'd actually write write them all out and, yeah and put it all together but most of the time it's kind of like i just i get inspired by different things and mm-hmm. uh quite often nowadays the the inspiration is uh is quite often mu- uh, movies or, or uh, television yeah. like i uh, hear you know let's face it they pay these guys like amazing amounts of money to put movie soundtracks and stuff together and they do something i'm like and it's usually not a melody usually it's like a oh they got this really cool break thing they do right. there and I'm, I'm like okay i'm gonna try and like do a punk version of that and mm-hmm. see how it fits in um and usually by the time i finish writing the song the thing that inspired me doesn't exist anymore but right, right. you know it becomes something else along the way right yeah but isn't that the cool thing once you put pen to paper you know at least when it comes to lyrics sometimes i start off with what i think is a concrete idea by the second like line i'm already somewhere else you know it's kind of something like i i definitely have two styles of writing sometimes where i literally for- force myself to write about something but then yeah. other times it's just like let it flow and see where it goes see yeah I've, I've tried that before I've, I've you know i've i've had concepts mm-hmm. um and and I tried like I had like a an idea like every song I write nowadays I kind of think of having a video with it yeah even though we don't do videos uh, well I mean we yeah, do you live really don't have a lot I we do it up live I think videos. you have like seven or eight videos and that's yeah. over forty years okay yeah. <laughs> and we're like and those are like most of them are kind of live concept videos yeah. like we we don't do any you know concept concept videos mm-hmm. but when I write a song I try I think of it visually. Yeah, I think of the song visually and how it's gonna work, and you know, and uh, and you know, we have songs like we have a song called Norm Next Door, and it's about a guy who goes and shoots up his high school. But it's it's like I got this whole story in my head of he's like the big football jock, and like the song's being written by the goth kid next door, mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, and ev- you would if you were looking at this, you would think, okay, it's the goth kid who's gonna go into into school and blow it up, you know, yeah. and then. But he's going ahead in school one day, and he hears sirens, and it's actually the the football player next door who shot up the school. And <laughs> so it's not rock and roll high school yeah. anymore; it's <laughs> rock and roll high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, but 
like I'm always thinking about these uh, these scenarios, and mm -hmm. that's kind of how I write a lot of the songs. Yeah, now. that makes sense. I, I know what you mean about movies. For some reasons, when I'm watching a movie, I don't know if it's because like when you are watching a movie, you're kind of in a state of zen and kind of getting into it. My mind tends to wander, but I know you you have song titles based on movies quite a bit, or characters from yeah. movies, uh, like Elvira being one of them that jumped yeah. out on me. You know, <laughs> well, it's uh, you know, and and I you know again I, I write songs and. Uh, um, uh, like one of the songs I got is in our most recent album uh, was called Proud to Be and it's kind of like our oi style but it's like you know proud to, proud to be part of a community that screams diversity mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like it's taking some of the old tropes and actually putting them on their head yeah. especially the Nazi skin head tropes right, right, right. Um, and uh, but you know at some point in time I had like a lyric in the chorus that just kept on getting repeated but then I uh, then I watched Gladiator. Yeah. And whenever they uh, whenever they said hello or goodbye, it was like uh, you know strength and honor. Yeah. And so like strength and honor rules the day, and that's so I put that in the song. Oh, just, awesome. It's just like hey, that's a kind of a cool way to. Yeah. And it sounds very you know good skinheadish. Mm -hmm. So I'm like okay, strength and honor. Yeah. That's a. You know the whole skinhead thing. It, it's it's such a. It's such an issue, especially depending on who you're talking to, right? Like uh, if I go into my professional word world i mean sorry and uh you know somebody even mentioned skinhead right away they're like yeah. you know oh the nazis are coming yeah you know what i mean and and we we had a big uh talk about it, even in the band because we we play ska and you know the fred perry looks mm -hmm. and, and stuff like this and it always comes back you know the proud boys tried to steal that uh, that look as well you know and, and like it's that whole appropriation of look thing that yeah. thing that kind of comes back and haunts you. It's like we had a big debate, you know. Part of your brain is like, you know, fuck those guys, man. I'm not going to let them take what's ours. But then, on the other hand, you're dealing with general public right now that might not have a clue of the history behind it and what it actually is. But are you really going to sit there and educate everybody, too? That's a lot of energy to educate a bunch of dummies, you know. Well, I, I find that, I mean... Uh... There is a bit of that, but I've also found over the years that anybody who is in the least bit affected by it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if you're minorities or if you're Jewish or something, you know the good skinheads and the bad skinheads. Yeah. And you know that probably there are bad skinheads out there, but probably it's the good skinheads who are, who are you know, beating them up and, mm -hmm. and keeping them away. So, and when it comes to, like, the general public, you know... I try and because I've got the skinhead look, you know. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> That's called extent. aging, right? I'm yeah. getting there too, man. <laughs> well, I, I've been doing this since 1980, so. Uh, um, but it, it's just it's one of those things that where you look at uh, um, look at the general public, and you know, and now it's like, oh well, they don't like Antifa, and you know, and you know, and they're using all these stereotypes to mm -hmm. describe pe anybody who's and like in the anti-fascist movement. It's called Antifa for a reason. They should yeah. probably just call themselves anti-fascist. Right, probably go better. <laughs> but uh, you know, now all this stuff is like, you know what? If if and that's why we call them the norms. If the norms don't understand, mm -hmm. the norms don't understand. I'm not going to try and educate them on it. If they want to come into our little world then that's okay. Mm -hmm. And if they talk to me, you know, when I'm on stage, when I do anything else in life, I tend to try and, you know, tell a lot of jokes yeah. and, you know, be friendly and smile a lot. Especially, like, you know, we just played two shows last night. You know, you're on stage. And, you know, I'm pretty much yelling for an hour and a half. Yeah. And when you yell, do you look angry? Because you're <laughs> yelling, uh, tunefully. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. But, 
you know, it's uh, so I always want to like make sure that people know I'm not angry mm-hmm. all the time. So I try and tell jokes and stories yeah. and stuff in between songs, and I do the same thing, you know, in the real world. And I get paid as a political commentator sometimes. You know, I look like me. Yeah, and I'm being a political commentator. I just you know that that's interesting. I I did want to ask you about it because I don't know. I don't know your entire life or anything like that, but I am aware that you had a lot to do with news and producing news, if I'm not yep. mistaken, maybe with the CBC. Yeah, well, actually, for... Yeah. Well, Yeah, he steals the show all the time. I know. He's, he's a very happy dog. Um, it looks like he'll keep you very warm in the oh, winter yeah, time, too. Um, so the... Uh, well, I mean, I used to actually produce the 6 o'clock news for CBC and Global for like 15 years in Montreal. Wow. Those um, are some credentials there right there. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've actually had a lot of jobs like that. I worked mm-hmm. for CTV as well. Um, and my my one, one uh, negotiation when I get to a job place is uh, no dress code. Yeah. I don't care about vacation. I don't care about salary. No dress code. Is I'm, that your I'm only negotiation? Like or my being, only negotiation. I bet you you have one that you forgot. Being a touring musician. Oh, well, you see, that's... <laughs> I just work hard. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be... That, that was my summer vacation. Like, if right. I get three weeks of holiday, I'd work all the, uh, all the stat holidays mm-hmm. uh, in the rest of the year. So I'd get another week uh, put together from that. And that'd be our that'd be my uh, summer vacation. You know, twenty eight shows in twenty eight days. Yeah, well, that's it. Right? <laughs> that's the Canadian tour. It's always yeah. twenty eight to thirty two, right? Yeah, <laughs> every single one, man. And you're going you're going across. You know, yeah, for vacation starts with a nine hundred and seventy eight <laughs> kilometer drive to Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, man. Now, what in the world got you into news and producing news? Well, I kind of just uh, I that's always what I've been in is journalism, and uh, and I just you know I was uh, for like fifteen years. At when I was, uh, oh God, there's so many anecdotes on this one. But um, uh, when I was in university, I was a journalism student, and okay. then I joined the Students Association. They said, "Okay, you can put out our, you know, our newsletter and stuff." I go, "Okay, cool," and you can edit the handbook. And I go, great. Well, who's going to put all this stuff together? And they go, oh, "Well, you are." So I had to learn how to be a designer and stuff yeah. at, the, at the same time. Um, so that's how I kind of got into the whole thing, and I was. So I put out a tabloid magazine in Montreal called Rearguard in the 80s, um, which was like you know 36 pages uh, a month. We interviewed everybody from Metallica to the Ramones to Holy local bands. Shit. And uh, whoever made it to the cover was the best photo. Hey, so can the, I time out you for one second? So wait. So the time the time that Metallica was on was in the magazine. Mm-hmm. They weren't on the cover. It was some local band because we had better photos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Metallica, cool. <laughs> Ramones. Ramones. <laughs> you interviewed the Ramones. Ramones. Let me patch that hand. Went, uh, went to, uh, to Ottawa, actually, and really? got into a show in Ottawa and interviewed them there. Um, and, the, yeah, they were great. You know what? I It was the weirdest interview ever because I was in this kind of really big back room, backstage room, because they were playing some sort of big uh, concert mm-hmm. hall. Um, and so it's like almost like a small gymnasium. And they were, like, all over the room, like, sitting in different places. Right, right. And so I was interviewing mostly Joey. And... As I was interviewing him, I was like, it was like, I was thinking, oh my God, this is the worst interview ever. Because I just, I asked him a question and he wouldn't look up. He'd never look up. He'd right. always, always looking down. And so like this, he was doing this to me and I, and he would kind of answer like, 
and I was like, oh my god. Uh, uh, and then I went home, and it was uh, you know it was obviously for print, so like I just I put the record, I just typed out all the recordings, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, he's friggin' brilliant. Right. You know, it was like it was one of the best interviews I'd ever done. He was like really thoughtful, and it really made sense. But when he was actually saying it, I was just like, oh my god. I am I, such, it's the Ramones. You know. Such a huge fan of the Ramones for different reasons, but one is just basic songwriting. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but the second came out in the '45s album is called the Ska Moans. Oh. It was a Ska tribute to the Ramones, <laughs> and, and like I've been a fan my entire life, like since the age of ten on, and uh, to to be able to just sit there with Joey. And who, by the way, I, I heard him, uh, he had a podcast before he passed, uh, just like, it was like all garage rock and stuff. Mm. One of the best radio shows I ever oh, heard. Oh, really? I didn't know that. so good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, he knows his stuff, eh? Yeah. He might be the quiet when he's not on stage or whatever, but that man knows what's what. Well, it's kind of, a, it's really funny, like, I've, because, you know, even when you loved bands in like the 70s and the 80s, mm-hmm. there just wasn't the information. Like, you know, you'd buy like Cream Magazine to right. get up and oh, be yeah. with the Ramones or <laughs> you know, one of those like uh, you know, music magazines out of mm-hmm. England, you know, and uh, um, and it was just it was so hard to find information. And now I'm kind of like, I'm just rediscovering a lot of the bands that I really yeah. liked. Now I get, I'm getting all this new information mm-hmm. about the Ramones and seeing all these old photos of, you know, who they were hanging out with. I go, Really, Joan Jett and yeah. jo- uh, Joey Ramone were hanging out, and I was like, "That's so cool. fucking cool." <laughs> Who'd want to yeah. be in that room, right? Yeah. <laughs> Can I just sit in the corner here and <laughs> shut up? <laughs> ah, that's wicked. But like. It's so cool, like, uh, the the fact that, like, I know that lyric-wise, some of it can be tongue-in-cheek fun based on movies and stuff like that, but I know you hit the political wall every once in a while as well, right? And, I mean, yeah. being a news producer, it, it's interesting to We've see. We've got a like, lot of anti-media songs. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anti myself. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, um, I think we always describe our, our music as kind of like a... Uh, uh, like a night out in Montreal, it's full of beer, girls, and politics. You that know, sounds about right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, we got, and we kind of cover everything. We've always said that you don't have to believe. We're not like a political band. We, in fact, we always just say we're we're an, we're a non-political band. And somebody actually came out to said, like half your songs are political, dude. <laughs> like how can you say that? And I go Busted. well, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well they're they're positive. We just never <coughs> think that you have to believe what we believe mm-hmm. to to listen to our. We're not going to hit you over the head. But that's, we a are cool, t- that's a cool angle. Eh? I mean, so, so many people I find like become preaching. If you don't, you know, believe the way I believe or think the way I think, you can't even listen to us, or you can't be part of my posse. You know? Yeah. Well, that was and uh, it was kind of the Fugazi kind of generation, mm-hmm. and uh, and I kind of much though I you know admired a lot of their stuff. I just I, I didn't want to be the band of you have to believe everything we believe. Yeah. You know, obviously, if you're going to be like some racist nuthead mm-hmm. nutball or something like that, then yeah. We will let you know very <laughs> quickly. It. You're not welcome. But you know, if you're if you're more conservative leaning, like we'll say, well, we don't agree with you, but mm-hmm. we, you can still listen to our music. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's uh, so. And maybe but, maybe he'll be lucky, and some of it will rub off on him too. You know. Yeah, I mean? exactly. Because yeah. you're working. Well, and that's you know that's part of being in the media. You know, it's yeah. it's it's uh, you know that that's part of being in the mainstream media is like you want to reach people, and it's you know. You know, if you have a, a podcast or mm-hmm. if you got a blog, it's like okay, you know everybody who likes a very specific section of the news or or your point of view is going to be listening. Yeah. But in the mainstream media, you get to like reach a whole bunch of people who probably don't agree with your yeah. personal views, 
and you get a chance to maybe nudge them in the you know yeah. in the right direction. So. Absolutely, and I don't know about you, but like I also like hearing other points of view. You know what I mean? Where I find a lot of people these days, it's like, you know, it's it's almost like you know we just went through the election. Everybody's like, I'm conservative or I'm liberal. I'm like. I want to hear what y'all have to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't find there's enough of that. You know, it's always like, oh, liberals, turn it off. Or, oh, conservatives, they suck. You know, they're, they're going to just tax everything and, you know, uh, build bombs and no hospitals. <laughs> you know? True yeah. or not, I don't know. Who am I to say? But I do like to know who's who, who's talking and who's saying what because, first of all, I like to know where my enemies are. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not going to shut them up. I'm going to let it go. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I also want to know kind of what what's the what's happening you know people get surprised you know it's like how did hillary clinton lose well if you don't we're actually paying attention to what was going on it was kind of like this is a pretty easy scenario yeah. to understand um and you gotta you know you gotta be able to look around at these things and kind of go okay there's this this is coming and a lot of people believe this yeah. and maybe that's what we should you know we went as in kind of talking for the left now mm -hmm. we should be working on is you know is putting out more information there as opposed to just putting out you know, fuck you, you don't believe, uh, you know, what we yeah. do, and we're going to, like, just yell at you. Yeah. I mean, the one thing, uh, you know, I always say, you know, when you have things like Trump happen, mm -hmm. is, like, it's great for punk rock. Oh, yeah, you like, know, it's like, <laughs> it's like the Reagan line. years again, yeah, you know? Dead Kennedys get out, you know, get, get your pen again there, Jello. <laughs> we, got, we got, like, two or three songs on the new album we got coming out mm -hmm. about Donald Trump. That's um, right, you're making a new album, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. And, and do, you have any, uh, do you have any idea what it's going to be called yet? Uh, yes, it's it's called uh, uh, Don't Buy the First Album Jerkwad, Get This One. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. That's Cause, fantastic. Because we, <laughs> we always find people like, oh, you know, they come to a t-shirt table that they don't know us uh, as yeah. well. They'll come and they're like, oh, what's your first album? Because they always figure you know, the first song and the first album is going to be really good and I then know, it's going right? to be downhill from there. And, yeah. I, and I'm like, dude, our first album is kind of like garage punk and it's okay i mean I, I was proud of it back then i'm mm -hmm. still proud of it in retrospect but man we, we you know we've been practicing for 39 <laughs> freaking years <laughs> right. you know we're, we're better now you know <laughs> and you know if we didn't keep on putting out albums that at least i thought when we put them out were better than the, the previous albums mm -hmm. we'd stop putting out albums yeah you know so like buy one of the new albums like our, our best album was uh you know made in montreal which came out a couple of years ago and then we put out our greatest hits but we put new songs on it, and like those are my favorite songs. Yeah, I mean we did a split now just this year. We released it uh, called Punkies versus Punk West with three other bands, and that's they, so cool. they're our they're our friend. They're they're my favorite songs. It's, yeah, uh, the songs Th on that that's album. so cool because like you know split albums used to be a big thing, and they like you they were they were happening frequently. Yeah, I, I can't like until you mention it, I'm, I'm like I can't remember last time. You know, I'm not talking a compilation album, but yeah. really a split album where one, two, three bands or whatever—not one, but two, yeah, three, yeah. four bands or whatever—have multiple songs on it. You know, or, or the classic is two bands and like uh, you know one side is one, one side is the other, or whatever. Yeah, we got to get more of that stuff back. Well, it's good, bitch. I mean, it's it's a just a great way to for. You know, especially like this album was kind of like it's like we got with the Montreal side, which is us and Riot Porn. Okay, Riot yeah. Porn, who are just amazing yeah, female really vocals. Are. Like first time I heard them, I was like, "Holy crap, that's like a <laughs> freaking amazing band!" And then the shout out to Riot Porn. Uh, yeah, and then the other side is is uh, Calgary is the Calgary side, mm -hmm. and it's the motherfuckers who we've been playing with forever. Um, and, I'm not aware of them. Oh yeah, oh they're they're really good. Like just straight ahead well they, they kind of you know 
The yeah. name is appropriate. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, <coughs> and there's this band, Man- Mandible Claw, okay. who uh, we actually played with when we went out west last year. Yeah, last spring. Where'd you play when you're in Calgary? Uh oh. Do you, do you different know? different places every time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember where we played last time. Eh, yeah, it's a, that blur of it's tour names, blur going like, on here. <laughs> somebody gives us an address, we turn yeah. up, we hope it's a club. So, <laughs> sometimes it's like, a hotel. I sometimes up, I hope a, it's a house party and I can have the sofa. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Mandible Claw we played with, and they were uh, like the lead singer, I, I swear, is like the best front man I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Like, I mean, apart from the music, part, music is great, but yeah. like the. He was just like he's all over the stage and just so intense. <laughs> like, I was just like, wow, okay, this is punk rock. That, this is like the next stage, and it's nice that there's like a next stage happening. Yeah, man. There, when is know? this coming out? Actually, it's already out. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it just uh, came out like two, three months ago. It's online. Uh, I'll say yes. No, there uh, you go. I'll <laughs> second that. Yes. I think it's. A, I think the the it's on the motherfuckers uh, Bandcamp, but you can get it through their uh, their page. Yeah, definitely. And then it's that. just it's just on vinyl. Other than yeah. that, so uh, yeah. discover new music, people. Always be on the search for new stuff. Don't always look back and not, the first album's not always the sound. Yeah, it usually sucks, <laughs> except for the Clash. Yeah. Hey, uh, there you go. Yeah. You heard about the uh, Montreal Calling? Yeah, we're playing on it. My man, <laughs> they just announced us today on it. Oh, really? Yeah, we, oh, could, cool. we couldn't announce it before at the start when he was planning it because uh, we already had other commitments. But now yeah. we've passed those Montreal commitments. Uh, we can say that. <laughs> cool. That's going to be a blast. Do you know what song you're doing? I have, I have no, no idea. idea. No friggin' idea. <laughs> I don't we've... know if you did the same thing as me, but I, I, he, he, I think he said send a couple of ideas, whatever. I sent him three ideas, and then... Yeah. We'll see which yeah. one, and hopefully so, it'll, it'll be one of the ones I know. And then they said, <laughs> he said, play a couple of you know uh, your songs and like mm-hmm. one, and, and maybe one other song from the era. So yeah, I, right, right. we actually used to cover uh, "Get Over You" by the Undertones, uh-huh. and the Undertones actually opened for the Clash in Montreal. So I was thinking, well, here's that a song. That works. So, that works. So yeah. hopefully that'll be one of them. Because yeah. It's easy to play. We did the same. I, like I, I, I named two Clash songs and one of the era. We went with the Cramps from the era. <laughs> era oh, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which was a bit later, but they crossed over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. So it's uh, yeah. I mean, that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a weird show because there's know, a lot right? of bands that just aren't punk there. So yeah. I'm just kind of wondering how that's gonna work. But that's gonna be interesting. That's for sure. You know, it's gonna be a, gonna be our shortest set in a long, long time. <laughs> right. You know? like three or four songs. Okay. That's, okay, that's about nine minutes. Time to go to bed. See, I have this thing where I used to drink a lot before shows, mm. but I don't do that anymore. I usually start with the first song now, you know, yeah, and yeah. then I order because we have this thing in the band. We always order shots to the uh, to the uh, stage, and then at the end of the tour, calculate how many we actually paid for. <laughs> you know, see if we're you know which side of the line we're falling on, if yeah. we're winning or losing. You know, but with if you're only doing two or three songs, yeah, you have to do the show. We're gonna be quick. sober by the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> yeah, we kind of got this thing where uh, um, we always uh, actually we were talking before, and I was mentioning how we're the band that always gets up early, and like uh-huh. so even when we're going to like a new town, um, you know, even if it's six or eight hours away, we'll like get up at like seven in the morning, and then we'll be there in town for like one in the afternoon or maybe yeah. three, uh, just so we like go into town. Hang out, check out the cool stores, exactly. you know, fun off the club who are like, what do you mean you're in town? <laughs> We've been in town for five hours. Come on, yeah, when are you man. open? Well, that's uh, it. But, get a taste for it. But we also like, uh, we'll, so we'll, you know, find a pub at like two in the afternoon. So now mm-hmm. our, my new thing is I basically start drinking at two in the afternoon. Yeah. And then by the time the show rolls around, I'm just like, okay, that's it. I'm probably not going to be drinking anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, All right. Uh, yeah. 
just have to get up in the morning and drive again at seven yeah, o'clock. Man. So. man, Canadian touring, eh? Yeah. Drive, <laughs> drive, drive. It's insane. Like just we we're talking about it before we sat down here when we we're upstairs and we we're making some tea and stuff, you know, because he's British. <laughs> Mum wouldn't want to know what's mm. in your tea, would she? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about like uh, touring Canada. The drives are insane, you know. When Sudbury to Thunder Bay the next day, there's you know ten, twelve hours of your day right there, you know. Yeah, and we, we have uh, we always have good shows in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. the Sioux. And uh, so like we we actually uh, when we put out our Canadian as fuck album, yeah, ninety three I guess. We actually just drove to Sault Ste. Marie. We actually did, drove there to do the record launch. Oh, really? We just drove to Sault Ste. Marie and then drove yeah. home again the next day. So it was just like, okay, that's like 2,000 kilometers and yeah. a day and a half to crazy, do, a, yeah. do a single show. Yeah, man. It's, uh, the, the Sioux's always great, though. They, they love their punk rock shows. Oh, they yeah. really do. And they'll do them anywhere. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Funeral parlor. We did a funeral really? parlor there. We actually played a funeral parlor there for probably like four or five years in a row waking the dead i like it yeah. and then uh and then where else do we, there was another weird place we played there oh we played the windsor hotel uh well mm-hmm. the, the windsor but it was turns into a, a senior yeah, they have a venue and, downstairs and you can sleep upstairs yeah. and there's seniors around that's right yeah yeah yeah, well, we played the ballroom, and I think it was the last time they ever let anybody into the ballroom. <laughs> it was like, we walked in there and went, oh, chandeliers and shag carpets. Yeah. This is not a the, good The manager thing. runs out half like, can you guys turn it down a bit, yeah. right? <laughs> that was in Squamish. I'm yeah. not, I got a thing. Squamish and me got it going on. We got a beef going in that town, man. Oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the, the manager literally ran out in the middle. Can you guys just turn it down a bit? Some people's... No, well, we don't do that. <laughs> well, we did. Uh, we had a, you know, we don't tour as much as we used to, but uh, it's just, you know, life gets in the way. But yep. uh, a couple of years ago, we had like a, a week off in the summer, and it was like kind of finally getting together. Okay, everybody in the band had the same week off. I didn't have custody custody of my son that week, so I was like, okay, we got a week. So. We did six shows in six days tro- and drove to Regina and back. The it perfect was vacation. <laughs> like 6,000 kilometers. It was actually 5,994 kilometers. And I was thinking, should I drive around the block just for like six kilometers? Just right. like make it 6,000? I was like, no, I just drove 6,000 kilometers in six days. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I want to get the hell out of this truck. Yeah, yeah man. So our, our truck is a PT Cruiser now. That's our touring van. Look at you moving up down. Yep. <laughs> and gear is over there waiting for you. Or? Yeah, it's yeah. just like whatever's there. It's like, okay. Yeah, and then somebody will like say, "Can we just like use whatever gear you guys have?" And they go, mm-hmm. "Sure." And they'll email me like all this list of like yeah. it says something something with so many ohms and something something something, uh-huh. and I just go, "Sure." Does uh-huh. it have distortion? Yes. Okay. Perfect. We're good. <laughs> yeah, man. You know that that's the the way to do it. I mean, like we always drag way too much gear around, you know, <laughs> everywhere. But you know, I, I remember doing I I did a couple shows with uh, the Dreadnoughts out west. And they showed up, and, like, we're all friends. We're all on the same label and stuff like that. But, you know, I didn't even think of it. No message beforehand or anything. It's just, oh, we just figured we'd use your gear, you know? <laughs> like, of course you will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all good. But I, I think I got to do that one day. <laughs> well, I think we, our last big tour, uh, when we went out to, and we did the 26 shows in 26 days, and we brought all our gear and stuff in the van, and we never actually took it out once. <laughs> we were just say like, every time we got to a venue, we'd just, like, go... Oh, We'd ask the other band. Like, what hey, is it? A mind? band full of lead singers or something? Yeah. Don't we get yeah, the girl of the band? Well, it's, 
It's really heavy, that stuff. That's it gets, right. gets heavier every year. <laughs> yeah, man. But that, that's a real thing. I, I got this shoulder injury, and it kind of fucks me up sometimes. And I, I hate being that guy. You know? I mean, like, you know, and I had it really bad. Like, it's like the tendonitis, bursitis thing that I've had, like, for years from playing sports as a kid. And I was sitting there. I'm like, see, that'll I, teach you to pace, play right? sports. Yeah, man. Like, knock decent. your head and knock your yeah. shoulder. <laughs> but uh, I had such a hard time being that guy on the side, watching the guys bring stuff in. He, until one of my boys like, just stop trying there and just chill out. Go do an interview or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. I can take a hint. That's wild. How many albums have you put out so far? Do you have a number? It depends on how you count albums. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'd say we're in the area of 16 to 18. Wow. So, it, you know, it gets kind of complicated later on when it's like, okay, we've got a couple of EPs, but one has like seven or eight songs, which I know yeah. some people count as an album, but we only count as an EP. Or We've re-released something, but we, we released it with like six bonus tracks that nobody had ever heard of uh-huh. and an entire live album. So does that count as a new album, I guess? I know what you mean about the debate on it and everybody <laughs> has a different point of view. In your case, let's go with what you call it. Yeah, <laughs> you are a legend. I don't know, like I don't know yeah. if you realize it. Well, like you are. Hey, you know, there's no ways around it. There's no. Oh, maybe I'm not. You started in 1980 and you just finished two shows yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anybody that wants to live a rock and roll lifestyle, and I'm not talking about success or anything like that. That has nothing to do with being a legend in my mind, anyway. Um, what it means to me is that you've lived a rock and roll lifestyle longer than most people have been alive that play rock and <laughs> yeah. roll right now. The number, the number of times we go to shows now, and a look, we want to, we want. There's got to be young people at the shows. I don't mm-hmm. want to be playing to everybody my age, yeah, or your age. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, <laughs> you slipped that in there, right? <laughs> I, you know, if there's not like you know, 18 year olds in the yeah. crowd or people like trying to sneak in, um, you know, we just stop playing. Like we don't want to be our own cover band. You Absolutely, know? Uh, no, I, I get that. Um, but at the same time, it's it's kind of cool the number of people who come up and say. Wow, I'm so glad you guys are still playing. Like you were my first punk rock show, right? You know, and sometimes it's like five years ago, or ten years ago, or even like twenty five years mm-hmm. ago, and it's like you're my first punk rock show. I'm sure I'm like, you were a yeah. lot of people's first punk rock show. Yeah, well, we we made this thing. We decided after a while we started touring in Canada, and you know, the first couple of tours is like you know we play, you know, and it was like you know early '90s we started doing the Canada the cross Canada tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like not very well established, uh, you know, routes. There was no internet. There's, you know, phone calls cost $600 a month in long distance uh, yeah. just to try and book things. We were phoning like radio stations to the college <laughs> stations. Are there any punk venues in town? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, or and any, they're like, any, what? <laughs> yeah, or any basements? You know? <laughs> and so, like, you know, we'd play maybe 10 or 12 shows in, you know, in, you know, in a month. And, I just had know, a flash. You toured before GPS. Oh yeah, wait. How yeah. the hell did people do that? Oh, that was, <laughs> well, we knew the ta- once you've done Canada like so many times. Right. But yeah, that was the fun part. It was it was our system. You you drive into town, and you'd look for the cutest punk girl you could mm-hmm. see somewhere and ask her directions. That was, you know, that was just the way we did it. Um, but we, so. Uh, where was I? See, we bounce all over subjects here because yeah. we're gonna come back to the subjects we Wait. started with later too. Wait, so yeah, we were we were just like, after a while, we just went. You know, when we're not playing, we got nothing to do. We're just spending money. Mm-hmm. We can't stay at the same place. You know, we're not gonna like stay at somebody's place for like three days. Yeah. Um, and basically, we're like, okay, if we're not playing, 
we're wasting our time. We're spending tons of money. We're getting bored. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just like, okay, after a while, we will play anywhere. We're like, we'll book yeah. like the main towns, and we'll get we'll get a decent guarantee out of them. That mm -hmm. will pay for the tour, and then we'll play your tiny little town, uh, Invermere. We always used to play. Uh, it has one traffic light. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. I grew up in a town like that. Yeah. Yep. Vankley Kill, Ontario. Oh, Vankley Kill, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, Soundcore was from that one. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some of my best friends. Actually, yeah. my best friend is a drummer. His name is Christopher Stewart. Dave Barton was the singer. Uh, Brian Mullen was the bass player. And Troy Young was the guitar player. Whoa, my brain. Yeah, there you go. And they, <laughs> they used to play with like Crash 13 yep. and the Stan GT. Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back at um, Station 10 Terminal yep. and all those days. Yeah. That's yeah, wild. So it's, yeah, so like there are towns like that, and we would play every one of them, Campbell River every year, and mm. on uh, on Vancouver Island, and you know just so so after a while we just like okay we were pretty much the only punk rock show in a lot of towns mm -hmm. every year. Every August we'd be going through, and everybody would come out to the show, and then and you know when we first started going out, we never had any big promotion or anything behind us. So like when I first went out in Calgary and Vancouver and stuff, it was like. Okay, there's like you know twelve people here. But yeah. Hey, we'll put on, we'll have some fun. But we'd have like way better shows in the smaller towns. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then after a while, after doing this for like ten years, all of a sudden, like our shows, we we start going to the big towns, and like we get people phoning us up and offering us big shows, and we're like. Really? Like you want us to play like a really big venue? Didn't we get twelve people last year? <laughs> and, and and we turn up and then and the places would be full and then we yeah. were like going, how did this? I mean, I'm glad it happened, but how did this happen? And it was like all the people from all the small towns moved to the big towns. So everybody moved to Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver. Yeah. So all of a sudden, all this playing well, it wasn't like a plan, but all this playing all the uh, small towns like mm -hmm. actually paid off and. So I was talking to Danny Rebel small. about that whole effect, to like, uh, and we even uh, talked about Vancouver um, and the bands coming out and why bands like there's so many bands that grow up in small towns and stuff because they can make noise, and, yeah. you know, and hang out together and do all this wild shit without the law always being on top of them and squishing them down and you know, yeah, uh, all this kind of thing. But I, I, we also talked about how in the small towns they have no schools after high school, right? A lot of the small mm. towns, so they always move to the city. Right for college, university, and the next thing you know, all those small town shows become the big show in the cities. Yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah, I love, I, I love the fact that those, that happens. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, we played uh, Humboldt, Saskatchewan for forever. <laughs> it was like that was so cool. Did you tour outside of Canada a lot? Uh, no, we've played uh, nine shows outside of Canada, and kind of regret doing it because it was just like we just have a. Even when we were touring regularly, mm -hmm. we had a certain time frame that we could do things yeah like we had our summer vacation we were still playing like we were playing 100 shows a year that's wild man yeah. but it would be like you know 28 or would be in one shot mm -hmm. for the cross Canada, another five or six out to the maritimes yeah and then it would be like weekends we'd play friday and saturday almost every friday and saturday but in quebec ontario mm -hmm. or, you know maybe into new brunswick yeah and uh you know we just uh so the time we went to the states it was like okay we'll go across canada but instead of playing all the way across canada and all the way back mm -hmm. played all the way across and then we went down to the states and it's like we had some good shows yeah. but it just seemed that was such a long way to drive and such a hassle and and you know we were going playing some places some places where it just didn't work really well because mm -hmm. we just weren't known yeah, other yeah. places where they're like this is like the best show we've had in like <laughs> you know in months or you know in, in, the, in the entire year and i'll be like 
yeah, it is a good show, but I could get more people in Humboldt, and we didn't mm-hmm. play Humboldt because we were coming down to the States. You know? Right, it's right. Kind of, so it's like, okay, that's it. We're staying in I Canada. Mean, touring Canada is incredible. It really is, especially if you include the smaller towns, which yeah. can actually be big shows in small towns. Like, the whole town will come out to the show, you know what I mean? But, like, I love it. I think we've done Canada 12 times now, coast to coast. You yeah. know, it's like, I love it all the time. We're about to go do U.S. for the first time oh, okay. in next week, actually. We're going down California all the way to Tijuana and play, play there and Ooh, then, cool. you know, finish that with some friends in Vegas and then see if we make it out of Vegas <laughs> yeah. ever, right? But uh, I, I love touring Canada. And, and I, I think, like, some of the bigger bands, like, will just play the, the big shows or the big cities and stuff. But I find they're missing out on a lot of the good Canadian shows by doing that. You know, some of the medium or smaller towns are, like, the best shows. Yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, our, our spring and fall now is, like, you know, I have uh, my son, custody of my son, like one week on, one week off. Yeah. So every second weekend that I don't have my son, he's in school, drop him off uh, you know, on, the, on Friday morning, uh, and he's going to be with his mom uh, for the next week. And so it's like... Tour starts. <laughs> it's uh, Friday and Saturday, so it's like, you know, it's... Uh, uh, you know, How old is he, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, he's 16 now. 16. So I'm just waiting for a couple more years. He's going to be our T-shirt guy, and then we can I tour all the time. I was just going to say that, right? <laughs> My daughter's 15 right now, and I keep telling her, you know, I, I can't wait for one day in her life. I want to take her across Canada. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the van with us, because I'd like for her to see the country from the van. Yeah, like I, see I just, the real country. I love it so much, man. And you know, you get some people that are like, oh, I'm not crazy about the prairies. I love the prairie stretch. Yeah. I absolutely do. Except for wintertime blizzard with the crosswind every once in a while. Yeah. There it gets see, yeah, even, see right? we don't do we don't do the touring thing in the never did in the in the winter. Yeah. So we regretted it really yeah. fast. <laughs> we almost fell off a mountain. Oh yeah, yeah. we're in BC up in the Rockies and uh, the road closed. Because oh. there was a wind and snow and just yeah. blocked the entire road. So there was a couple of cars. We could see everybody was just stopped. There was nowhere to go. Still in the lane, even. It just happened so fast that the snow came on that yeah. the road was closed. So luckily, we had iPads and laptops and stuff like that. We just watched movies in the van until like some truck came by and opened up the road oh, again. Man. But we're on the top of a hill, and we had a trailer on the van. And then all of a sudden, we're just stopped there. But then yeah. we just felt it shift. I'm oh. like, oh, oh, we're done. Yeah. You know, we're going off the side of this mountain. Oh, Those mountains in the winter, don't do it. It's not yeah. worth it. It Was really it isn't. Devil's Gorge or something? Uh, oh, God, above, yeah. above, I think it's above Golden. Yeah, we yeah. raced down. <laughs> okay, you know the, the brains. Yep. Colin is playing bass. He's driving the van. We're on tour together. We did 32 shows together. We're on the van right behind them. No, between the two vans is a car family car one little baby one maybe seven-year-old squirt and and a family but i don't know why but we started going down that crazy road we started pushing a bit hard but both vans are fully loaded with gear yeah and you're right hey you have to be on the brakes quite a bit right well both vans brakes caught on fire like literally they're red smoking i think i even saw a bit of flame we had to pull over but this car in the middle kind of pulled over with us i guess so they were feeling pushed on and kind of <laughs> kept on they're 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 overheating too i mean it was like sizzle classic like if somebody would have peed on these brakes or something probably would have cracked the <laughs> disc okay they're like red glowing so we pull over but we look around it's all mountains you know that movie alive yeah <laughs> within five minutes i'm like the family's out there with the baby in the camera yeah. well we're not gonna starve are we <laughs> they looked at us they left <laughs> right away 
That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but then we started singing, I'm going to eat your baby. <laughs> Apparently, you're not supposed to do that, even if it's joking between yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah, maybe they weren't thinking thinking you were so friendly at that <laughs> Right? Oh, no, we're <laughs> offering them to come hang out with us. <laughs> but no, man, Canadian uh, touring, it, it, it's, it, it's amazing. And like now I find there's a good stable of bands that, that are crisscrossing the yeah. country. I don't know if it's more or less than what it was in the past, but we always cross the same bands all the time. Mm. You know, the little, uh, the native trading shop there. Remember yeah. we're pulling in one direction, then the Mahones pulled up on the other <laughs> direction. You know, you're always crossing each other, you know, which is a good thing because if you forget your shit at one venue, you just call up the next band coming. Hey, can you pick that up for me? Yeah, back that, in Montreal. <laughs> I think it's just one of the things is uh, it, touring really breaks up a lot of bands too because mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like really literally on top of everybody else in the yeah. band for like you know for an entire month and Absolutely. every little thing that bothers that could bother you, you know, shut the door uh, yeah. <laughs> so so it's kind of so i think the bands that survive their first tour yeah. are the ones that'll keep on doing it I mean, and it's a good we, way to weed out your musicians. Yeah. You know, that's where you separate the, you know, the, the kids from the men or whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the dogs and the pups. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're not ready to tour, you can't be in the band. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and we, we kind of developed all sorts of rules. It was like nobody's allowed to take their shoes off in the van. Really? Because, yeah. it, because man, that's too... Uh, <laughs> it gets nasty fast, right? No open beers in the van because yeah, somebody absolutely. will always spill it. Yeah. And, and even, it's always even on when the you're driver. stopped... Yeah, even when you're stopped, it's like, no, somebody's going to spill it. It's going to smell like poop in here yep. for, for the rest exactly. of the tour. And, and, you know, you got to deal with the law as well. Yep. You know, and it's and always the, on the driver, kids. <laughs> and the, there's the other one, which is the driver is God. That means they get to choose the tunes. Mm -hmm. If they want something to eat, you have to make them something. Yeah, you know, it's just I like, like the yeah. sound of that. <laughs> They're the only ones working at this point in time. You're just sleeping, asshole. Like, yeah, get <laughs> yeah, me man. a sandwich. Well, how many guys are in your band? Three, right? Yep. Yeah, apparently it's different when you're in a uh, ska band. <laughs> we, different luxuries. <laughs> well, I, like we developed all those even before, because uh, now I'm just the only driver. Mm -hmm. So I just like I like driving. Yeah, I get in. I I do the whole Zen thing. So yeah. like I'm I'm up in the morning. I'm driving. To, Six hours, eight hours, usually yeah. with no radio. I've always been a driver like, as well. See, I'm, I'm like you. Like I like some, you know, moments of listening to to music, stuff like that. But when I'm driving, sometimes I like that time where my my mind wanders. It's often where I write songs is while yeah. I'm driving, and then next thing, you no, know, I'm recording into my phone <laughs> while I'm driving. Or my Frankie, our bass player, um, he, he, who will be on the podcast tomorrow, by the way. Yeah. Um, he'll hold up the recorder, and I'll kind of like throw out some ideas and stuff. I, I come up with all kinds of ideas because my mind's all zen you know and we're, we're going sometimes we listen to podcasts as well mm. and stuff like that it's fun i find it passes the time really well and then get back to music but i, I like the downtime of no you know especially when you're in clubs and venues all the time you know i'm a big fan if you want to hear music and you're in the van especially like with us as five guys in one in one man put on put on some headphones you know what i mean and enjoy your trip you know yeah, <laughs> yeah and you know like i say the guys are usually just asleep like we have the most well-rested band ever you know? <laughs> and, and me i'm just like Okay, Zen. Yeah, no, that's the way to do it. Now, we're going to go back in time now. Okay. First album was called? Ripcords Are Go slash Ripcords Are God. And this is 1988. 88. Took us a while to get around to putting out an album. Well, the first year. <laughs> well, that, that's it too, right? Don't, you know, some people like asking, when did the band start? So I was asking, like when we put out our first album or when the band started? Mm -hmm. Because you have those development years. 
Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You're figuring your shit out. You're figuring yourself out, you know, and what well, is it you want to do? And at first, like, you know, it was kind of more like, oh, we're just going to play for our friends. We're going to, you know, and play the occasional party and, uh, you know, hit the occasional club. But mm-hmm. it was like, it was really kind of, no, we're just doing this for to have some fun. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, it was the only reason we started was because somebody had left a drum kit in my parents' basement. Oh, really? <laughs> and I wasn't living there and at the time, but it was like, you got a drum kit in the basement? You know, and then it's like, okay, let's find other stuff. And we did. And, yeah. and we used to play softball on Saturdays, I think. Did you ever play softball with, like, the Jailhouse Rock Gang? No, no, you weren't part of that. that no, because they had a team going. This for a while was like too. 1978. So, oh god, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. no, it's funny because Dom, who started the yep. Jailhouse Rock, yeah, he, he was. We he had was, him on the podcast here as well. Yeah, yeah well, he was our uh, he was our roadie. <laughs> really? Yeah, that makes sense. He used to write for the magazine that I put out, okay. Rear Guard, back yeah. in 19 in the early 80s. Okay, that, that then, makes perfect sense now that you mention it. You know, I can see yeah. that. <laughs> and then he was so. Then he came across Canada with us, and then. Uh, Started the jailhouse, and it was, mm-hmm. so yeah, very much part of that. I'm actually, you know, giving him a lot of advice for his his book on jailhouse right that's now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when that's coming out, but I, I can't wait to see it though. Yeah, I well, I got a note uh, uh, from him the other day saying, "Hey, do you have uh, InDesign and Photoshop? Because I need to finish this book." So <laughs> it might be a while. Uh, yep. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah, so we just started. We had, we had this. We we were playing softball, and there was just like, okay, we've got people who play. Who like are gathered in one location, mm-hmm. and who have played softball and then drunk beer. Perfect start to a band, if you ask right? me. Right? Yeah. And then, Baseballs uh, and beers. Yeah. <laughs> Base- have you written that song yet? Baseball uh, and beers. We well, got a song called "Let's Go Expos." Well, there you go. That's, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you mind if I smoke? Uh, no, no. Cool. Um, and then uh, yeah, so then we uh, we had all this equipment and we just started playing. You know, that was. Uh, um, you know, you don't, do you smoke? Uh, no, I don't. Thanks. I just fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. I I thoroughly encourage everybody else to do. It. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> just not during the show, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're uh, yeah. So we were we just uh, you know we were just doing it to have fun, and then it's uh, kind of just you know evolved over time. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, wait, this is more fun than I thought it would be. And I'm like, wait a second, I got uh, some cool songs. And then that then it just kind of once we really started. When, once you put on the, out the first album, that's when we started playing almost immediately. We were playing, uh, you know, you know, fifty, a hundred shows a year for probably a good decade and a half. That's wild. People don't realize like what it takes. Like when you say it, like the years that you did a hundred shows. I know it's not every year no. that you do a hundred. A hundred shows a year is, you know, almost a third of the entire year. Yeah. In, in a show, you know what I mean? Like people don't realize the amount of sacrifice work sweat alcoholism <laughs> you know what I mean? fun, <laughs> fun beer right right um yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. anything else we won't talk about yeah <laughs> there's rules to the road yeah. by the way <laughs> yeah no we had so much fun mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah i mean you know it's it's we but we always had this uh this approach that it was like okay tour is summer vacation mm-hmm. like this we're going out to have fun we're going to like go to a you know club every night and yeah. we're probably going to enjoy the music you know people will buy us beer want to hang out and we'll we'll you know see new towns it's like mm-hmm. it's a bit so it was never you know even in the early years where there's no chance we were making any money or staying yeah. in a hotel or anything like 
it was just like okay we're just we're just kind of partying with friends all mm-hmm. across Canada like who gets that opportunity exactly see I, I do have a bit of that philosophy in, in me as well that uh, you know I've never uh, you know, I, I work with street kids and stuff like that I'm not making money you know what I mean that at my regular job but music's always been my ticket to travel you know and see people or live or be social or get out and all that kind of thing so I get that you know when I asked you if you uh, played uh, outside of Canada a lot and you yeah. told me no you didn't you did about seven shows in the in the states one of the reasons I asked because I, I, I did uh, Google you today, okay, oh. before I came here, because I, I, I wasn't sure. I've never I Googled you. me. Dude, there's all kinds of shit about you. <laughs> you got to talk to somebody out there. They're talking mad shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I saw a list of some of the bands you played with. Mm. And I'll, I'll drop this. You did a show with Nirvana. Yeah. Okay. Do you know how many people, like, in hindsight, would just, like, sell their own balls to do, you know, to meet them or whatever? You know? the, the real unfortunate thing about that, that show that we played with Nirvana is I don't remember it. <laughs> I, I can understand that. In fact, the only reason, as strange as Dominic Castelli comes back, back on on this one, the only reason I know that we played the show with him is because Dom has a poster showing <laughs> that they opened for us at the fun. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... You know, obviously early years for Nirvana. Yeah, but, but yeah, and it's just, and that was the time where we were playing like a hundred shows mm-hmm. a year. Where did you play with them? Uh, at Fafun. At Fuffs, yeah, yeah. At Fafuns back at, in the day. And the, and they were like, and I was just like, okay, I just cannot remember this, but yeah, hey, cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've played. Okay, we've played probably. A, a, we're always trying to figure, estimate this, but probably around three thousand shows. Mm-hmm. And you know, we played so many bands and so many venues. I can't remember so many, so many bands have like come up and said, "Yeah, you played with." Us. And I'll remember it if there's a song of theirs that I know, or mm-hmm. sometimes I'll remember the entire show. But other times it's kind of like that was like an eight-band show yeah. in a basement. I kind of uh, amongst know. the other ninety-nine shows of that year, year with eight yeah. bands. You know what I mean, like. I know about that blur. You know, it's like I have a thing in my band that's hard. I don't know if this happens to you or not. Like, I usually recognize faces and I don't remember names. Mm. Okay? Like, and it it's so not a hit on the person. And sometimes people are insulted if you don't recognize them or you feel like, you know, you should know their name and all this kind of thing. But I'm literally the worst at it ever. To the point now on tour, my bass player, Frankie, again, whenever I talk to somebody and he knows who it is, He'll I, he'll walk by me. Either I'll say, "Hey, uh, hey, this my uh, my bass player Frankie." And then Frankie asks their name, and I get their name that way. Yeah. Or he'll just walk by and whisper in my ear, uh, "Who who I'm talking well, to?" Well, my, my big problem is that I mean I, I got the band, but I you know I also had the magazine, the Rear Guard that we did right. for years, and I did other magazines like that. I had a record label for like more than a decade, and we put out like almost fifty albums. Oh wow! Um, you know I currently have two full-time jobs i'm a professor at concordia a professor of journalism but i also work for matt tv i put together a show and before that i worked at cbc ctv global um so i've got this massive life that i've met so many people in like so many different walks of life through being a journalist or through being punk rocker mm-hmm. um, that I remember nothing and I've yeah, like I say right. I, I'm pretty sure I've insulted every punk yeah. rocker in Canada at least twice I don't know about you but you like know. I got into the uh, a, a thing now when it comes to that it's like when I see something I either just know how I feel when I'm with them like do I feel good being around this person or bad yeah you know and is that simple and basic animal instinct almost like you know how a dog like I had this black lab growing up and he loved everybody but one night somebody knocked on the door and the guy was drunk 
Mm. That dog, just all that peace and love, part of that dog <laughs> went out the window and he was not laying that person in. You know, they yeah. just feel it. And I've, I've kind of resigned myself to that. It's like, I feel good around this person. Okay, I want to hang out with them. But it's that simple, you know what I mean? Because I, I just can't remember it. Like, I see too many people a day. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, too successful, I'd say. <laughs> I did not know you were a professor, by the way. Oh, yeah. Can I jump on that? Do, uh, do sure. they know who you are? He's sort of vaguely, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every once in a while, because I like I teach all these courses, and so it's like, and one of them is like a radio newsroom. Like we oh, kind of wow. really do a radio newsroom, like real life, three really? hours to put together a newscast. Can I sit in on it one day? Um, I'm sure. Yeah. I'd have to ask the the guys in the class, the students, but I'm sure. I would love fun. to. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's crazy because like you know you go to school everybody you know, got like a week to do an assignment you know mm -hmm. like all this stuff like you know normal stuff and there's a lot of theory taught as well yeah, yeah. then the radio newsroom that I teach is like okay you get in at eight thirty in the morning you have to pitch story ideas it can't be more than twelve hours old mm -hmm. um, it's got to be so it's got to be something currently happening then you got to start making phone calls do interviews record write a script, uh, uh, record record everything, edit it together mm -hmm. by 11.15. So you got like two and a half hours to do this, uh, put it all together. And I love it. Then we do a radio newscast. And it's like, but every once in a while, so it's like. Are they okay, all on this speed? Is real life. Well, they are. <laughs> they, they wish they were. Right. You know, there's a, a lot of gnashing of teeth at the beginning of the semester. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, by the end of the semester, they can do it. Wow. And that's what you need to do in real life is like be able to make the phone calls, get the information like quick because – uh, even more so with the internet now obviously mm -hmm. it's sort of like okay you don't you don't have a week to put a story together right, you've got like right. four minutes before somebody else puts the story up so you, you know I, I, I never really uh put uh, bringing energy into that whole concept but it makes perfect sense like it must be a race then oh yeah it is like more and more you know and so it's like and radio is kind of like the for all the old school media it's like mm -hmm. it's still a, you know okay you've got a newscast every half hour every yeah. hour it's like you got to fill that thing with new stuff each right. hour, and it can't be like stuff that happened yesterday. Yeah. So it's like, and so that's what this course teaches. But every once in a while, just to sort of show. So radio news is really punk rock. Yeah. Well, it's I, like go in and do it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like every once in a while, it's like it's coming after deadline. I'll do the the rip chords voice. So instead of just going deadline, it's like deadline. Yeah. You know, yeah, man. Like, what the hell? Like, I, like, I warned you guys I was going to do my records voice. Yeah, man. Like a Django just woke up. Yeah. Like, hey, buddy, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> oh, that, that's wild, though. You know, journalism, if I didn't get into, like, basically what I what I did is I, 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 just, I realized right away I just want to live a music life and a band life. I realized at one point. But then I was yeah. like, if I have to work, I want to do something that morally I'm okay doing. And that was how I got into what I what it is that I do, but you know what journalism I could I could have seen myself uh, getting into that. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a it's a it's a lot of fun, and yeah. uh, you know it's one of the kind of the jobs where the more you do it, you know, like a lot of jobs, the more you do it, the more it becomes a routine, mm -hmm. and it becomes kind of starts getting boring. Uh, with journalism, it's kind of the opposite because the more you do it the more you learn the routine of the nuts and bolts of how to do things or who to contact or, you know, but the story is different every day. Mm -hmm. So and it just makes it easier to gather the information and write a better story and yeah. you know, get better people to talk to you about that story, you know, and find it, you know, it, instead of like just spending like three hours trying to find somebody who will talk to you about uh, a sewer break or something in mm -hmm. Montreal or a, something stupid a politician has said you're like okay I know exactly who's gonna give me like a really 
cool insight into that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go here and I'm going to write it this way. And I, you know, so the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes and right. the better it becomes. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's, it's kind of a fun thing to be in. I think, the, the, you know, I could really see how being a songwriter and somebody in rock and roll that always has to push to get what he wants type thing. I, I could really make the the correlation between that and radio journalism because yeah. I, I actually do like radio still. Uh, you know, some people are kind of, I think, got away from radio for a while. But I have a feeling that it's kind of coming back. And I think one of the reasons why is I think podcasts became popular again. And I think that kind of joins radio as, as well. Because, like, when I get into a new town, often I'll tell the guys, I just want to try and find local radio. You know, so yeah. there, there is something about it. It helps you feel out the city a little bit, you know. And there's something super cool about that. Well, it's the one thing. It's the only, I'd say, the only one of the old media that's still very uh, healthy and still mm -hmm. hiring people and stuff, you know, yeah. in, a, in large numbers. Simply because it's like you need something. You, you know, we've we've been trained by the internet to want something straight away. Yeah. And now it's like, well, you still get that on on radio, whether you're getting it through the internet, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, or whether you're, you're tuning in on your car, which is where a lot of the audience is anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so. No, that's it. And there's something about, like, uh, I, I'm sure for most people, they listen to music or 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 podcasts or whatever, but it, it goes on in the car. That, that's where, I, sometimes yep. I like going for a car ride just to listen to music. I can be alone. I can have the volume I want. I have. I'm sitting between the speakers, so it's a decent sounding stereo. If you have like, you know, even a piece of shit, I've even used the Bluetooth in. It's, I, I hate those things, but they're handy sometimes. But like, just listening to music in a car. What's more, you know, the symbol of freedom? Windows rolled down. <laughs> You're driving. So you have your right foot on the gas. The left foot's out, <laughs> out, 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 out the window. You know, on the side mirror, and you're blasting music. You still need some of these, you know, freedom feelings. It's crazy. I, I, I think you know when I was saying about growing up in the country, how there's all these great bands. Um, it's it's because there was a sense of uh, freedom that we had growing up in the country. I mean, first of all, if somebody called the cops, they're coming from Hawkesbury. That's 15 kilometers away. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people were on on their own. But I also think it installed, you know. You know, families were installing morals and values and what's right or wrong and where are the lines and limits. And your job as a teenager is to cross those <laughs> yeah. limits and cross all those lines and then figure out who you are. Where, that where did you say that limit was? Right, right, right oh. exactly. Uh, <laughs> you're talking to Cayman yeah. here. <laughs> I can't give that one away. <laughs> but there's something about that, that whole sense of freedom that we had as kids. Whereas I've noticed in the, the city now, I've, I've been in Montreal since I'm 19 or 20 now. And... Um, I, I find the kids, yeah, some guys would be into bad things and it's crime, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking good kids that are may, probably in school, but they're doing a couple of wild sh things here and there to find out who they are, right? Yeah. But these days, it's always the law that interjects. And I think the effect of that on the youth is way more than people realize. Like, uh, you know, it's that whole thing is if it's legal, it's right. Yeah. If it's illegal, it's wrong. But you know what? The law wasn't there to say what's right or wrong necessarily. It's saying after what's right and wrong, this is where we're going to put a stop to an action. You know, but these days I just find there's so many youth correlating right and wrong versus what's legal or not legal. And then, you know, it becomes that need for, oh, God, we need another thousand new laws again. Just there's so many laws well, now, right? I think that, I mean, to me anyway, when I when I think about, you know, are you legal? Are, are you an anarchist? Are you, you know, when you get that question all the time and it's like, mm -hmm. look, you know, I kind of look at, you know, law and order and cops and I'm like, just kind of like, 
look, I, th- I don't think anybody denies there should be laws. You know, we sh- you shouldn't be able to murder people. You, right. know, you know, kidnapping is bad. Assault is bad. You know, like, I, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, that's, that's there. It's the order part. Right. Oh, you can't stand around and loiter. Yeah. Oh, you can't do this. You, you know, you can't smoke here. You can't do this there. And, you know, it's, it's all these rules of we don't like it when you do this, you know, mm-hmm. so we're going to make sure you're going to get fined or, you know, yeah. this, that crap. That, and everything know, becomes you, financial you at it. the end of it as well. It's like yeah. you said, you're going to get fined. You know, it's like this, man, I got to have a podcast. Just I have a court date in January, mm. okay, for this parking ticket thing (laughs) and it's this whole job i think i gotta get a lawyer on here because i think laws and finances are going beyond what the actual purpose was and somebody's just not paying attention or letting this stuff evolve basically what happened is i I got a parking ticket i was in jamaica okay and i i might have even forgot about it but it wasn't online like you know how you when you go to pay tickets online you have a list of them that way i i paid the three that i had on there I paid them off and I left. So you're supporting the uh, municipal government, I guess, with it. God <laughs> damn it. They better fucking help me out. They won't even let me grow, have a garden in my front lawn. Oh, man. That pisses me off, dude. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> but so th- this uh, parking ticket didn't exist in my mind. Yeah. Uh, okay, because it wasn't online like the other ones were. And uh, so I'm driving over the Jacques Bridge after work at like 5.30 at night. I get pulled over by a cop. Why are you pulling over me? Goes, oh, I was just behind you, so I just ran your license plates, just like that. But I wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah. And then uh, he goes, "Did you know you're?" Uh, no, he goes, "Yeah, you're driving without your driver's license." I said, "What, what? are you talking about?" First of all, it's my pocket. Yeah. I would never do that. I yeah. never. What? Do you, I, of course, I'm have my driver's license. He goes, "No, according to us, uh, you don't." I said, "Well, can you figure out what's going on? There's a problem here." So this is the SQ. So they pulled me, you know, it's at the Jacques Cartier uh, bridge. They have a little building. Oh, yeah, the yeah, the they, they, yeah. He tells me to park in there. And then he goes, look, uh, I'm going to call a tow truck. They're going to tow your uh, car to the pound. I'm giving you a $900 ticket for driving without a license. I repeat to him, Ugh. I've never received anything in the mail. I've never been stopped or somebody has taken my license. Like, I have my driver's yeah. license. So now the the tow truck's coming. Well, that's that's what it is. Yeah. So total bullshit. So I I go to the SAQ there, whatever it's called there, the driving peeps, and uh, I'm like, I they say first of all I have a parking ticket that I've never seen. They find it in the system. I said that parking ticket was not online. Goes yeah, sometimes they 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 make I mistakes forget. like that. I said well really, and then the cop says uh, that uh, they uh, that my license is suspended because of that parking ticket. <laughs> goes oh um uh, yeah i said but uh i didn't receive anything in the mail no no somebody goes to your house on uh, on uh, on foot they just go to your house and then they they tell you that your license is suspended well mm. wouldn't they leave something on my door handle like you know like mail or something yeah. oh no they don't do that well i was away in jamaica i just came back it was my first <laughs> week of, uh, how am i supposed to know that my license was suspended she goes oh oh Anyway, I'm contesting the hell out of this because of oh, that, man. because of the pound. Now, first of all, I paid that parking ticket the day after, right away. So my license is fine again. All right, cool. So that's costing me $900 extra where it was something I didn't even know, driving without a license that I never even was told that it wasn't valid. So I go to call the pound up to go get my car. It's been there a day. I figure it's probably yeah. 40 bucks or whatever. Get. Oh, no, we have a policy that once a car is in here, it's minimum 30 days. Oh. I'm like... The fuck you talking about 30 <laughs> days? I just paid the problem yeah. and everything's fine. I want my car. No, it's 30 days minimum. That to oh, me man. is some gangster shit, man. <laughs> like I, the problem is gone. No. Yeah. 
They know how they to make still, money. They still have my car. I left it with them. Like, you keep it. Hey, yeah. if 30 days of in the pound, it's probably worth as much that car was worth. Yeah. I'm not going to go get it back. I'm like, keep it. Yeah. You know, but anyway, January 20th. If anybody wants to come to court with me January 10th, 20th, like, it's unreal. You should get that, that whole... ticket 411 guys while on your side. Yeah, man. I need everybody on my side. <laughs> you know, but my, my whole point of that, it comes back to the, the laws and the purpose of them. I don't think anywhere was you know, okay you you know missed your parking meter by five minutes i don't think they really wanted to charge me three hundred dollars for a parking ticket because uh, it was late nine hundred dollars for a driver's license and lose a car over it yeah i don't think that was the purpose behind a parking ticket the parking ticket is supposed to be enough to give you a reminder to please park properly you know law and order the purpose seems to have gone disappeared the original purpose through that example anyway and it becomes something else and it becomes a financial matter more than anything like I said the pound they're making fucking top dollar off some rule that they say did he just invent that or whatever we'll find out but i'm not good i've, I've never taken anybody to court i've paid things when i've been innocent because mm. i don't want to deal with yeah, it but i'm like the fuck i'm gonna sit down <laughs> on this one <laughs> you know what i mean it, it, it's crazy but man paul First of all, we I feel like I could still talk another two hours. <laughs> we're going to stop here. Oh. And I'm going to invite you to come back on the show. The reason we stop here is the files yeah. get really big. Yeah. And hard to <laughs> now, when I say stop here, we're not quite done. Yeah. First of all, we talked about Nirvana. Five bands that people heard of that you played shows with. Um, well, Rancid, we played many times. First time we played with them was like 93 in Vancouver and they were in a tiny van same Boom! same size as our van, you know. Yeah. And in fact the van was held together by stickers. There were stickers all over the outside of the van and just like coolest guys, nicest guys. Um, you know, just uh they were kind of an inspiration. Yeah. And then later on they actually would quote us as being one of their inspirations. Oh, that's wonderful. Which was like just like Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, you need these moments. I mean, we do it not for the money. We do it for all these fucking cool moments, you know? Yeah, it's just like so much fun. Yeah. And then we, we played with all these, like, oh, we played with all these old school uh, punk rock vice squad. We played with I've vice heard squad. of them, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like Becky Bondage, and the, they they were having trouble getting over the border, so it was just us and them playing at jailhouse. <laughs> and they were having so much trouble getting over the border, and we kept on like... So we played our set, and like mm -hmm. they were still weren't there. So after like an hour, we went back up on stage and played a second set. And then I, I was telling the story the other day, and some guy said, oh, actually, no, you guys played three sets. <laughs> and then they finally turned up at like 2.15 in the morning or 2.30 wow. in the morning. And we were just we left our, all our stuff off on stage mm -hmm. and just said, look, just play our stuff. Yeah, and yeah, so they, exactly. they, they, they played, but at 2.30 in the morning. I played with uh, Peter and a test two babies. Yes. Um, who are like just great, you know? And it's kind of funny because they had this show, a band from the pubs, uh, uh, the song "Band from the Pubs," which is a mm -hmm. big song. Um, and uh, and at some point, we were like just uh, you know hanging out with that. Well, we don't, we never hang out backstage, but they were backstage, mm -hmm. so we, we were talking with them. And me, and my my ex was there. And at some time, point in time, we were just like we were talking and talking. And then at some point in time. She just, something went wrong and she just like threw up all over uh, Peter's <laughs> shoes. That's wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, uh oh. And, and, and then and Peter and Peter just like looked down and looked back up and went, 
I say, that's the most punk rock thing that's happened to us all tour. <laughs> it sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm an easy puker. I can relate. I puke so easy. It's ridiculous. All right, so we're at three. Two okay. more. Um, so no, I'm not really counting. I well, think there's in two the, more. In the, in the weird uh, weird thing, we, we played with Lydia Lunch, who's this really? kind of uh, I know New York is. ranting Absolutely. poet. Uh, you know, and I was just like, well, this is pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun. Um other famous people. Last one. <sighs> we didn't get to play with the Ramones. Um, oh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you name like a Canadian. You know, we played. Yeah. We did a tour with. All right, other Canadian punk band. We did it. We did a. We did a tour with the OA. Yeah. Um, Joe Shithead. Yeah, Joey Shithead. Yeah. We actually released one of our albums on his label. Oh really? Um, uh, we. Dayglows, we played mm-hmm. just like last year. At the beginning of last year, we played with them. We played with them a whole bunch of times. SNFU, we played with. Great. Actually, watched them, hung out with them in Edmonton more than actually played. And we only, oh, yeah. for our first show we ever played with them was like five years ago. You know, <laughs> That's wild. I was yeah. just like, we've seen them so many times, and they've seen yeah. us. And I remember at some point in time, we used to play the Cobalt in, uh, in Vancouver yeah. all the time. We had amazing shows there. <laughs> um, Is it still. No, no, it's, it's gone. One. It's just too bad. They, we we got to do a whole podcast the, just on Canadian music venues, just that yeah. for, for like two hours. Well, <laughs> the Cobalt, which was, uh, before it was the Cobalt, it was a strip bar. Really? And if you, and we've got all, all these old photos, and if you look at it the in, in the front, it was, uh, it's got just like girls, 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 which is where Motley Crue got their right. song, Girls, 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 yeah. from, because they went to the strip club in Vancouver. <laughs> That's wild. That turned into Because the they were making the Dr. Feel Good album in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, brain on fire. So it's, it, it all comes together. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the first time we played there, it was, they were still like, you know, they put a stage in, but it was still kind of strip clubish. Mm-hmm. And they had these things where, like, um, there's, these like sh- there were a couple of showers in the middle of the jan- the the pit. Yeah, yeah. There was like this thing where and you pull a pull a thing and obviously the girls were like uh, used to be like there but they were still working. So That's like, awesome. Uh, so I would love that could, show. Hunt could have a shower in the middle of the pit during the show. <laughs> it says you know? no one ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like okay, crusty punks no more. Yeah, so Man, it, I got a lyric in one of our songs on the last album. Like, all, all my friends smell like punks. Yeah, <laughs> that's freaking awesome. If I invite you back this podcast, will you take me up on it? I certainly will. I got so many it's anecdotes. So life, life many. is an anecdote. Absolutely, absolutely. When yeah. we roll the credits, first of all, I want you to tell people before I go what's up, oh. and then I do want to play oh, some music yeah. here because I know there's something I want to hear that you have. Yeah. Um. Well, what's up? We're uh, we're well we're still we got Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie in two weeks but nice. you know then we kind of uh, take it easy for the winter because you know there's like snow and stuff <laughs> yeah. um, and we are Canadian and we know yeah we should be Canadian and deal with it but <laughs> we would just wait until the spring that I was, used to feel that way now I'm like get me to Jamaica or get me to California yeah, exactly. or Mexico or whatever you know? <laughs> well, we're, uh, we're also supposed to be heading out west in May uh, we're going to be doing like Alberta and BC again so that's nice. going to be fun um, and then we got we got the new album coming out. We got uh, that's what I want to hear yeah. about. So that's the that's the one. Did we say that one on air? Or were we talking about was, that? Yeah, was that on air or before air? Okay, I'm gonna say it again. Anyway, it's uh, it's called uh, "Don't Buy the First Album Jerkwad." Buy this one or yeah, get man. this one because 
we practice. And so we actually did a preliminary mix. We haven't quite finished it yet, uh -huh. but we got it. Uh, Are we going to get a up. live first time feature? Yeah, this? we we've actually never. Nobody's heard this. There's four people in the world who've heard this. The three members of the band and the guy who mixed it. Right. So on. nobody's uh, here. Let's... You're going to hear it like coming through our microphones. Yeah. So hopefully this will work. Uh, Paul, I'll, I'll turn thank this you for coming here and hanging out with me. And I'm going to invite you back for sure because there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Uh, cool. What a pleasure, man. Be, be uh, happy. Yeah, it's really fun to do this. Thanks, right man. on, man. That's thank right. you. Now i got to see if I can figure out how the hell to do this. Don't go away. I'm crappy at computers. But there it is. Okay. I switch over and then click. It's going to work. <laughs> Well, we played town, tried to cross this land, drank with the kids, enjoyed the bands. No adults can understand. Right? Yeah. Yeah.